Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 46, everyone, operating on October 12th, 2020. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. We hope this episode finds you safe, healthy, and in good spirits. We're one week closer to this crisis being over. We're staying positive and aviation tough. Drew, how was the hub this week? <laughs> um, it was good. Uh, it was busy, Doug. So I sent... Uh, I don't know if I sent you a picture, but I sent someone a picture of uh, the concourse full of people, which is really nice. Like the load factors are definitely going up. It may be like one or two points every week, but it's definitely going up. And I see people in the terminal and they seem, dare I say it, normal. Mm -hmm. So they're acting normally. They don't look scared. They're wearing face masks, which is good. And they're just going about their lives. Yeah. So that's, that's really good to see. Yeah, we weren't planning on talking about this, but I do want to bring up, so it's, um, what, Columbus Day weekend in the U.S.? I, I can never remember what the what the holidays yes. are. Yeah, Columbus Day. TSA numbers on Thursday and Friday. Thursday was the second highest in the COVID era behind one of the days around Labor Day. And then Friday was the highest. Wow. So in, we're, is it in over the COVID era? Not quite. No, it's it's in the upper nines, like 970 something interesting to me is there have been a lot of articles that i've read about how thanksgiving traffic is going to be down substantially over last year Mm -hmm. which i I agree you know all all travel is down but they were saying that thanksgiving travel they think is going to be even lower in a way than what it is than what the travel is right now and i find that hard to believe if Labor oh, Day, if Labor Day and Columbus and Columbus Day are setting COVID era records, yeah. per- personally, I think that Thanksgiving is going to be through the roof in COVID era times. Oh yeah, I agree. And people are still booking their flights. There's no rush to book flights, prop, you know, because the planes aren't full. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they aren't full yet. But I think people are going to see there's good prices. They're tired of staying at home. They have cabin fever, so they're going to travel, and they're going to travel safely. And we're going to discuss some news reports that show that it is might be safer being on a plane than being in a grocery store but we'll we'll get to that yeah discuss the news yeah i wonder if people are waiting for two reasons either to see if if there is a second wave like people have talked about this fall and if that impacts things but also schedule changes my my family and i have flights booked for thanksgiving we've had a book for a couple of months the schedule has changed considerably over the last two months since it was booked. Just yeah, but you love that. You love that. Oh, I, I do. Schedule changes, you can add a stop or an Well, time. we're, we're fine nonstop <laughs> anyways. So not a lot of changes. It's just the time that we get in and the time that we leave. Are you going to Denver? No, we're going to uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, nonstop, yeah. on an A319. No, I think it's a 73. We're flying out of San Fran. Oh, yeah, you're with family. So you can't do a lot of... No, we three, three clubs and four planes. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you did, like if they came back and said, oh, there's schedule change, I'm sure you'd throw everything at them, right? You will connect me via Seattle and Salt Lake City <laughs> and Atlanta to yeah. Minneapolis. If I was by myself, I would, but my wife yeah. wouldn't be terribly thrilled. <laughs> um, Poppy might, might like it. Oh, Poppy definitely would. Yeah. There was one trip that Poppy and I flew separately from Marissa because we wanted the club and Marissa said, well, I don't really care. So you can just meet me when we get there. So we used miles for her on Southwest and Poppy and I flew on Delta, did the whole club thing. And Marissa was waiting for us at the airport. Then when we got there on the other side. (laughs) 
Okay. So I think you talked about all this um, money you have with a, a certain carrier because you haven't spent, you know, you have like maybe you got refunds and all this bank of money. So for me and Robbie, oh my goodness. So we spend on these cards that add miles to our accounts mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. So I'm telling him, oh my goodness, when we're ready to travel again, it's going to be tons. totally luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we have enough miles, I think, for a Singapore Airlines apartment from, well, if they fly it again, from Kennedy yeah. to Singapore. Yeah. All right. So these are Doug and Drew, Drew problems. So are you ready to move on to more Doug and Drew problems? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. All right. I have a question for you. And yes. it's a real concern. And it's been bothering me for weeks, as you know. And it's the plane that you fly. Mm-hmm. I think you're wrong about something. So you said on boarding pass 42, that was our LAX spotting episode. I asked you if the DC-10 had Fowler flaps, mm-hmm. and you said yes. Now let's do some absplaining before we get into the discussion, right? So airplanes have different kind of flaps, and Doug, fill in if I'm missing any. But you have a plane flap. So just imagine a wing. You have a plane flap. The flap's in the back. The flap increases the lift. A plane flap, you'll see it. It just comes down, and then it creates lift. Then you have a different kind of flap called a slotted flap. So that flap comes down and there's an opening, a slot to let some airflow go through that reduces drag while you're creating lift with the flap. There's a double slotted flap with two of those slots, which again increases airflow. But the concern we have is the Fowler flap. So if Mm -hmm. you guys can think of a 747, that's a classic Fowler flap where the flaps go down and it literally increases the size of the wing. I mean, what would you say, Doug? It increases it by a third or or a huge At least, yeah, substantially, yeah. Yeah, so it it not only goes down, it extends, making the wing bigger. There's like three pieces to it, you know, when it extends out, and it's amazing. So, you know, Google that and look at it. Now we go to the DC-10. The DC-10 to me, when you look at that flap, it looks like a slotted flap or maybe a double slotted flap. It doesn't really increase the area of the wing, and it doesn't extend back like a classic Fowler flap. What are your thoughts on that, that Doug? Well, we're, we're both right, actually. It is a double-slotted flap. But Fowler yeah. flaps are a type of double-slotted flap. And what, what makes a Fowl, Fowler flap a fo- uh, Excuse me. What makes <laughs> a Fowler flap a Fowler flap, like you said, it extends backward and then down, which increases yeah. the, the surface area of the wing. Okay. You you found something on some NASA PDF. Or I, I I don't mm-hmm. even know what the source was. It said this was that, a lot of reading to not get an answer. <laughs> yeah, it said it said the DC-10 had some variable vein doubled yes. slotted flap, which yeah. is correct. And and what that means is it's the vein that moves the double slotted flap. The DC-10 is a Fowler flap. It goes out before it goes down, and it does increase the surface area of the wing. And that's, that okay. is what makes it a Fowler flap is the, the aft movement before it goes down. It's not as, yeah. as pronounced as pronounced. the 747, the mm-hmm. 757, 767, but it does go out before it goes down and the surface area of the wing does, ex- does get larger on the DC-10. Yeah. So technically we're both yeah. right. Oh no. So yeah, I accept that, that it is a Fowler flap by the definition of a Fowler flap where it extends and goes down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we have any DC-10 engineers or uh, you know mechanics who worked on those planes, just um, catch us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast and uh, tell us uh, about the DC-10 and the flaps. It's interesting. All right, so uh, now 
we've uh, we haven't really scored that away, but we'll say we. Yeah, have. yeah. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll wait until some engineer gets back to us and <clears throat> tells me that I'm totally wrong. Okay, let's move on to the news briefs for the week. Drew, we knew something like this was coming eventually, but what do you have regarding Boeing and future deliveries? Yes, Doug. So. Per the Seattle Times, Boeing forecasts a slow, painful recovery for the aviation industry. Uh, The main piece of this is they expect that 11% fewer jets will be delivered in the next decade compared to the previous forecast. So not good news, but I guess it's something that we have to expect until the economies recover, right, Doug? Yeah, exactly. And big thing with this is... This is not just Boeing. This is Airbus and Comac and Embraer and and all the manufacturers in the world that that Boeing and Airbus both make projections saying the next 10 years, next 20 years. I don't know if if you read farther down in the article, though, Drew, something that really stood out to me is they still expect an 87% increase in the next two decades Mm -hmm. on top of the number of airplanes that are flying today. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so... It's bad news in that the long-term, the 20-year projection is lower than what it was a year ago, but the global fleet of airplanes is still expected to double in the next 20 years. And this was done post-pandemic. We're not out of the pandemic, we're not post-pandemic, but what I'm saying is this projection was done after this massive downturn that we entered. Boeing is still expecting close to doubling of the entire worldwide aviation fleet in the next 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, so the number we've talked about, IATA was saying 2024, and now Boeing is saying 2023, and I believe the airlines are saying 2023 also. You and I are more positive, so Mm -hmm. we we think it's going to be a couple years, right? We think it's going to be 2022. Yeah, there are a couple of different ways to look at the recovery. There's the traffic. When will we get back to the 2019 traffic levels, which we have to remind the listeners, those were records. That 2019, more people flew than any year in history. The other way that we have to look at recovery, though, is revenue. And when will that revenue reach the record levels that it was at in 2019? And I think that traffic will probably get there before revenue will. And the reason I say that is business travel is what drives the revenue for for the most part. Interestingly enough, the Delta 777 is retiring at the end of this month. And I've been doing a little research for a a post that I'm going to do. There are 28 Delta 1 seats on the current version of Delta's 777. So that's their lay flat business class product, 28. Drew, do you know how many business class seats the airplane was delivered with to Delta in 1999? 50? 52. So over the years, Delta has reconfigured the airplane several times, and there are half the number of business class seats now as what there were in 2000, or excuse me, 1999. Part of the reason for this, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, is premium economy, which is that intermediate class of service between the full business class lay flat and main cabin or economy, as we call it. It's more like a domestic first class style. Delta and a lot of airlines, a lot of airlines have been de-densifying their business class cabin in favor of this more hybrid approach. And I think that moving forward, post-COVID, trying to get businesses back out there and and traveling, I think we're going to see a lot of this around the world. And we had already talked about this, that we thought that the lay flat business class product wasn't going away completely, but it was going to decrease in favor of this more hybrid approach. That is not going to drive as much revenue as selling those premium lay flat seats. 
sorry, that was a very oh. long-winded, <laughs> very <laughs> no, no, long-winded it's, it's answer. It's a good explanation. No, I, I agree with you. I think um, premium economy is uh, the future, at least for the next couple of years, because businesses are going to be like, well, you know, we're coming out of a downturn. You do need to visit these clients. We can't afford a $5,000 business class ticket, but you can, you know, we can give you a couple hundred more so you can upgrade to premium economy. I could yeah. see that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's going to be a long road, um, but um, at least, you know, as we talked about with the load factors, it's, it's moving in the right direction slowly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, let's move on. So the Times of London is reporting that a big send-off for British Airways Boeing 747 jumbo jets as they fly for the last time. We talked about this several episodes ago that BA announced that they were retiring the 747 and they had pulled them all out of the schedule. So they, they were no longer flying passenger services, but they were still sitting at Heathrow. Heathrow is a very small airport, relatively speaking, compared to the number of airplanes that come in. They just don't have this, the space for these airplanes to, to sit there. So what they did was last week, they ferried them, the final two, out of Heathrow. One was to, let me, let me look, uh, St. Athens, and the other one went mm-hmm. to Kemble, which are just two small towns uh, about an hour, a little less than an hour away from Heathrow. 18,000 people watched the live stream. I, yeah. I wasn't able to to join it, but I saw a lot of the still photos from it and things that people posted on social media. But Drew, this this made me laugh. The airplane that mm-hmm. went to Kemble was forced to mm-hmm. hold for sixty minutes <laughs> because of weather. They couldn't get into Kemble. <laughs> That's so funny. So the, this airplane's final flight, it just did not want to land. Yeah, I saw that video, and it was like typical London weather. It's like, oh, could we have had a nice day for this last departure? But to be honest, with with all this sad news about these retirements, I thought people would be over this by now. But, you know, 18,000 people watched it live stream. Mm -hmm. And it's not just AvGeeks. You know, there's people that have uh, attachments to that plane. Maybe they worked on it. Maybe that was, you know, um, an important flight in their life that they took. Because, you know, we talked about how that British Airways 747-400 or 747s have been all around the world, all around the world. So it's touched so many lives. And to be honest, when I heard about this, I'm like, oh, here we go again with another retirement. But of course, I was glued to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they did it. They, I, I thought they did a really good job. They really did. Yeah, I, I liked it. All right. So now um, let's talk about some good news. Uh, so the military, this is from military.com. Dep- the Department of Defense did a test of the viral spread on commercial planes which reveal good news according to the general overseeing that project. So um, this was research done. It was by the Department of Defense and the, De- the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, conducted on an, an aerosol test to research particulate spread on planes. And um, I work very close to this, and I know about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I actually helped organize this, and it oh, was awesome. not in the news. Yeah. Um, it, not a lot of fanfare, but uh, the results will come in soon. And uh, this general is very, saying the results are very encouraging. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people are probably wondering, well, why is the military testing this? Well, the military uses commercial airplanes to fly people all over the world. Uh, uh, most of the troop movement is actually done via commercial airplanes. Very, very few actually move on on the military airplanes. The DOD was looking at this saying, well, we have to start moving people to where they need to go, new assignments, new trips that they're going on, et cetera. I, I've done that myself. I've, I've traveled since COVID. And so the DOD was looking into this to say, if we're sending our people on commercial airplanes, are we putting them at higher risk? 
And so that's why they decided to do this research. The general said that the, the results will be released publicly here in the next couple of weeks, but he did say that they're very encouraging. Being on a commercial airplane with HEPA filtration is probably one of the safest places you can be. So I think that that's a, that's a really good indication. And, and this is science and, and data driven. And Drew, you and I always talk about it. We are not going to bring something up on this show unless we have some sort of evidence or uh, a source to back up what it is that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about conspiracy theories or, you know, something from some tabloid um, without cross-checking it by other sources. So this is this is good information, and this could mean more trips for you, Doug. Yeah, it could. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. All right, Drew, I think we should update our listeners on the status of the additional government aid with the CARES Act. We've talked about this quite a bit. It's quite a week of ups and downs. As you know, on October 1st, the aid expired and airlines were able to begin furloughing employees. It went from maybe there will be a deal this last week to no deal in any kind of way to possibly a larger economic package, which could include the airlines. But here we are another week gone and we're still no closer to a definitive answer. Yeah. So we've been talking about this at this point. We expect it to be coming out of this COVID-19 downturn, but we're not. And hopefully we're not into a second wave. So nothing is firm yet and it's going to affect the economy because there's uncertainty. So we wanted to ask you, our listeners, how you felt about this. So uh, this was the poll we put out on Twitter. We asked the question, with the dithering in Washington this week and still no additional airline support, do you think airlines should get a second round of government aid? Why or why not? We'll discuss on uh, next week's episode, which this is the episode. So the results came in and uh, 53% of you said yes, 22% said no, and 25% were undecided. We, we got a couple comments. So Steve Tao said the uncertainty from the White House, along with so many of them getting brought down by COVID. I'd be surprised if anything positive happened. And then Nick Benson said, unless there's broader stimulus for the economy as a whole, airline employees saved with targeted assistance won't have any customers to handle. Virtually every sector of the economy has been drastically impacted. Drew, what are your, what are your thoughts? It's just the same as listeners. I mean, I'm mostly a yes, but then I'm thinking we're going to add, we can't just support the airlines. And this is coming from an airline employee. How is that going to play out? with uh, taxpayers when a lot of them have lost their jobs and they see the airline employees getting a second, you know, bunch of money so that they can keep their jobs. I, I know it's horrible to say that, but I don't know if there's a lot of support for this unless it includes the greater economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't include the greater economy, then like Nick said, what, what people are going to be traveling. If people are trying to hang on to their cash, not knowing what's going to happen with their job or if they're out of a job because they, they didn't get any sort of support then yeah I, de I definitely can see that my my only wonder with with all of this and i'm not leaning one way or, or another in this discussion is if a vaccine does come out early next year like they're they're talking about right now how quickly will that get released and how quickly will people start to travel again what, once they get it, will they feel comfortable traveling again? I, I think that that's the biggest unknown. All the TSA numbers that we've talked about for the last six months, that's all without a vaccine. That's all mm -hmm. with how, how we see how the virus yeah. spreads and, and how it's impacting and how the, the medical profession is able to, to deal with it. And so it's really hard to make projections and predictions about what people's behavior will be 
once that starts to, once the vaccine does start to come out. And I think that that's probably the biggest reason why airlines have been pushing for this second round of aid, saying, if we can just get to March, at least we will have an answer. I know the naysayers say, well, you said just get to October and we'll be fine. But that was in March when we thought that it would pass quickly. And, and we, we didn't know. And it didn't pass. No, I don't think it's going to cause uh, an immediate increase in travel because the virus is still, still lingering. Just because you have a vaccine, not everyone's going to take it. And there are going to be a lot of people that think this vaccine is politically motivated, that it was rushed because that's been in the news. And you have a lot of people that don't want to take vaccines, period. And mm-hmm. do you think those people are even going to think about taking this vaccine? No. Um, so, and also, uh, vaccines aren't 100% effective either. We need to go back to what the director of the CDC said, which is, and he had his mask, he said, we know that this mask can be more effective than a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So if we just follow that, and we've talked about this, Doug. So, you know, there's this study from DARPA, which is probably going to conclude that it is safe on airplanes. And then we also did a study. We also talked about a study on flight attendants and Mm -hmm. how their incidence of COVID positivity is less than half of the normal population. Mm -hmm. So all those things are good things. And the vaccine will help. I'm I'm not saying it's not going to help, but I don't think it's going to cause a huge increase in travel right away. I think people are still going to be concerned about traveling. All right. You want to get into uh, an ops discussion? Yeah. yeah let's, let's end on a, a high note, a fun, a fun topic. This is something that we deal with. If you're working at a, a East Coast airport or, I don't know, maybe it affects San Francisco. Yeah, I think it would. So these are our departures going to Europe and Lon- London and continental Europe. So some of our listeners may have experienced this. So this week with the winds, we're getting into Europe very early. 30 minutes early, 40 minutes early. And we are getting there before the restrictions that they have for noise and volume that early in the morning. So just, uh, just to explain a little bit, all the, all the airlines want to get in there first thing so that we can get our customers into Europe and they can make a wide variety of connections to the rest of the world. Now with COVID, we just have, most airlines just have this one bank. Pre-COVID, we used to have the normal five o'clock bank when the flights leave the East Coast from New York, Philadelphia, uh, Washington, D.C. area. And we used to have a 10 o'clock bank with less flights, but still a substantial bank that would get there at 1030. So that 10 o'clock bank for a lot of airlines has disappeared. Mm-hmm. So now it's just this bank. So anyway, London is the most restrictive. London Heathrow has a curfew between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. And this is for noise reduction. They've had these restrictions since 1962, if you can believe. So, uh, but there are exemptions. If you if you have an emergency, they're going to let you land. But if you continuously violate that, it could lead to you losing your slot. So I've talked to some people about this. The concern is not the fine. Apparently, the fines are not that big in relation to the need to operate that flight and the revenue on that flight. But multiple violations could lead to an airline losing a slot at Heathrow, and you don't want to upset you don't want to upset Heathrow because you know, those slots are so precious. So speaking to um, dispatchers, you know, I asked, can they just fly slower? Can they leave on time and fly a little bit slower? And the answer was no, the speeds are already adjusted so that we don't get there too early. So even with that adjustment, we need to hold these flights so they don't get in there too early. Yeah, I mean, basically it's ruining my on-time performance, which (laughs) kind of sucks. (laughs) Yeah. But no, we don't want to push them on time and then waste fuel on a yeah. taxiway holding for 20 minutes. So we just wait. And then we use that 
extra time to get more connections on if we can. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's really difficult to fly slow. People think that, oh, you can just fly slow and, and you can make up the time. Airplanes are designed for a certain speed. Yes, we could fly slow, but the faster you go above whatever the designed airframe speed is, the faster you go, the more fuel you burn. But then on the flip side, the slower you go, the more fuel you burn as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a sweet spot that each airplane is designed to fly. So for instance, the DC-10, ours is Mach 8.2. So that's 82% of the speed of sound. And it's it's a, a decimal 0.82. Anything above that, we start to lose efficiency. Anything below that, and we start to lose efficiency. I believe mm -hmm. that the Dreamliner, they are designed to fly 0.85 or 0.86 Mach. So a little bit faster than, than what we can fly. When you're flying on the Nats, so that's the North Atlantic tracks, which go from, from North America over to Europe, because we're not in radar coverage, we have to fly an assigned speed. And we're, in the, we're on the Nats, so we are outside of radar coverage for anywhere from three to five hours, four, usually four to five hours. And so you, you get assigned a speed by center when you coast out. So when you, when you leave land, go out over the ocean where there's no radar coverage, we have to maintain that speed for the entire time, for all four hours. We can't speed up or slow down even if we want to because ATC has given us that speed for the entire crossing. These airplanes can't just take off and then realize they're going to be early and fly slow because they're going to be violating their assigned clearance from air traffic control. Yeah, and I remember you were saying that before. That's not that easy to say, hey, I'll just fly slower because you're up there with you know hundreds of other flights. Yeah, and so even, interesting. Even, even in COVID era, a lot of people would say, oh, well, in COVID era, there are a lot fewer flights flying across the Atlantic. That is very true. There are fewer routes now across the Atlantic. So pre-COVID, there would be five or six routes that you could fly from North America to Europe every night. And they've whittled that down to one, maybe two now because the traffic has gone down. And so you still have the same congestion on each route as you did pre-COVID. You just have fewer routes now. Yeah, so this is not something um, we want to play with because we don't want to upset London Heathrow, get a fine, and risk a slot. So there was one night we had a flight to London. They wanted a 15-minute hold. And I'm like, really, 15 minutes? Is that we can't make that up somehow? So talking to the captain, he agreed, hey, let's, let's plan on time, and we'll just taxi slowly. You know, we can, we can have more time on the taxiway. So then I'm watching this flight. Ramp pushes them five minutes early. So I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, great. This is the flight that we're going to push early of our all flights. <laughs> that guy taxis like a race car out to the runway. <laughs> the fastest taxi I have ever seen and takes off like a bandit. And um, the whole night I couldn't sleep because it was supposed to get there. It was showing 15 minutes early, which would have been 545. And he's left five minutes early. Now he told me now what you said about 0 0.82, 0 0.87. Mm -hmm. So he told me he was going to fly at 0.82 and not 0.87 and he said don't worry we do this all the time and i'm like all right should i trust this guy because <clears throat> when it comes down to it it's the station's responsibility because if noc tells us hey don't push it until this time that's on us so anyway i couldn't sleep that night woke up in the morning the first thing i checked is to see when that flight <laughs> arrived and it landed it landed at 605 oh man <laughs> 
So that's too close for comfort. Yeah. So now we just hold them, uh, whatever they want, 20 minutes, 15 minutes at the gate and just use that time to put more people on. Mm -hmm. All right, Doug, let's, uh, let's finish this on a high note. You want to give us some feedback from one of our listeners? Yeah, we got a great message from Russ in the Bay Area. He said, love the show. Civilian here over the past couple of years have developed a love for all things aviation. He went on to say he's joining us on the Milk Run and at Northern Flights, which is our AvGeek event in Anchorage next May, which we announced last week. Yes, and we also received a message from a young AvGeek named Max. Max makes beautiful airplanes out of cardboard and posts the, pit- the photos on his Twitter account. Everyone give him a follow to see his progress. His handle is at Max, M-A-X, 249-48076. I'll repeat that. Max, M-A-X, 249-48076. All right, to our listeners, this podcast is your show. So follow us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it. Also, you can email us at uh, nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com or leave us a review wherever you download your podcast. Join us in Anchorage next May for Northern Flights and AvGeek Extravaganza. It's going to be May 9th through 10th, 2021. We'll post some more information about it as we get a schedule and as the time gets closer. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at NextTripPodcast or OfficerWayfinder.com slash podcast. Sounds like right, to our listeners. <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like you're giving out a, a 1-800 number for someone to I call. Know. Yeah, it's call Max at 24. Yeah. <laughs>